Can you sail under the command of a pirate? Can you not? You don't listen to me. I'm your huckleberry. Why, Johnny Ringo? You look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? What we've got here is. Failure to communicate. Some man you just can't read. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. You don't tell your puppy how to cut the electorate. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communicating. Oh, you're not entertained. That's a powerful new force. And welcome to the Pirate Professor Podcast. What's up, crew? This is your captain speaking. And it is... The day that I'm recording this is the Monday after the election of Joe Biden as the next president of the United States. And... Again, for those who are listening to this down the road, uh, where we are today, it is uh, uh, President Trump still has not conceded the election yet, so uh, still still contesting, still making claims of fraud, um, and still got legal challenges out there, so we're just going to see how that goes. Um, but apart from... Him and his camp largely, it seems to have been a decided vote. Um, it seems to be over. And so this um, Monday morning after the election, uh, there's a lot of uh, folks that just, I don't know, great, uh, I don't, a sense of relief. I don't know if that's necessarily the right word. Uh, it kind of depends on where you are and you know who you voted for. Whether it's relief, but I think there's just kind of um, there's this feeling of the thing itself is over, like the election is over. Um, whether you like the results or not, it's done. And from that perspective, there's a sense of relief that okay, I don't have to, I don't have to listen to this stuff anymore because it's exhausting. You know, and I think it's exhausting by design. Um, and we can get into uh, different reasons why. Um, probably not going to, because this isn't a political podcast. This is uh, a 
an episode where we're actually talking to my business and professional speaking students about what's going on next. What are you going to be doing next? Um, and this one is about informative presentations. So I come from, uh, I guess you already know this, I'm a journalism professor by trade. And I, uh, the informative presentation really gets more into the world of what journalism is. Uh, as opposed to the persuasive stuff that you did last. And, um, you know, informative stuff is, it's just about laying out the facts and putting out supporting arguments. What makes it kind of interesting these days is, you know, there was a time where um, we used to simply go, um, all right, here are the facts. Here's the supporting arguments. Here is my, you know, here is the evidence. And, you know, as a general rule, people would be like, okay, uh, you know, I don't like it, but yeah, you, you know, you've proven your case, so we're going to go with your direction. Where we are now kind of in the world is um, where you can lay out all kinds of evidence and then people just reject the evidence. They're like, that's not real. That's ah, fake news. Um, and it, you know, from a, it started out mostly as a political uh, statement. Actually, uh, the term fake news actually has its uh, history in the PR world, where uh, the fake news was actually like PR agencies would, if they had a client, they would generate news stories that you know might you know soft news they're not this isn't hard hard news but it was something you know maybe like a feel-good story about you know something and then somehow within the context of that thing they would work in their client whoever that happened to be you know maybe it was a product maybe it was a brand maybe it was an organization whatever it was but you know it was it basically became a well there's a hum i was just trying to figure out where there's a hum and there's actually a bee outside my window just like hovering i don't know if you can hear it i can hear it anyway uh that's what oh, he flew away i guess he got tired of me talking about it. anyway the, so the the pr term for fake news was le legitimately these you know they're kind of sort of a content farm that was just generating um information to kind of support a client uh, that's that's shifted now to uh, has it has a new meaning and so really what we're talking about now is kind of this context of this thing of we would call truth um, what is true and what is not true um, there is if you go back to um, the Greeks and Plato uh, he, he had this thing um, he's talking about is called the allegory of the cave uh, and essentially the story was, was like goes like this there's these guys that are chained up inside of a cave and the only thing they can see are the shadows on the wall of um things that are, you know, passing by the mouth of the cave. Um, they can't actually see outside 
because they're facing inward. And so the only thing they can ever see are the shadows. And this is where they've been their entire life. They've never known any existence, else, existence outside of this cave. And so to them, the shadows were reality. And so they, you know, with the shadow that they saw of a dog walking by, that, that was a dog. Shadow of a person, that was a person. The shadow was the reality for them. Well, as the story goes, um, one of the men was set, set free. And he walked outside the cave. And the sun was just absolutely blinding to him. Um, very, very uncomfortable to be out there. Hey, the bee's back. Um, but then over time, his eyes adjusted and he started to see things. Um, he started to be able to see the objects that were actually casting the shadows. He still couldn't look at the sun because the sun was too bright. But then he started to come to understand that the things he'd been seeing his entire life were just shadows. What he thought was truth, what he thought, what he thought was true actually was not. And so he had this, you know, it was this great revelation for him. He was really excited about this thing. He learned this thing, this new reality, this new thing called truth. And um, he ran back into the cave to tell us, you know, the, the other people in the cave, you know, what he had learned. But they had no reference to understand him. And so while he was trying to enlighten them, um, he thought they'd be happy to hear this information, but it turns out they weren't happy at all. And they actually turned on him and beat him up. And then he realized, huh. So that's how it's going to be. You know, eventually he goes back outside and he learns to, you know, exist among the reality of things, the truth of things. But he realized that there's a lot of people out there that don't really want to know the truth. They, or they're locked onto a thing that they, they believe is the truth. And they don't want to let that go. Um... You can see that a lot today. That's where information, you know, bubbles come from. That's where, you know, um, echo chambers where people let their confirmation bias determine what is uh, true and not true. That's what I tell my um, journalism students. Because we always do this exercise where I have them define, you know, what a chair is. Tell me what a chair is. And you can go through this process. This, this relates to the allegory of the cave. Is you can doesn't matter what you do you just can't ever get around to fully defining what a chair is you know it when you see it uh but you just can't you just can't ever give an explanation of the way it looks or the function of the thing and still get to a chair like there could always be something else like you could say well it's got a back well a horse has a back well, you, it's got four legs. Well, a horse has four legs. Or you sit on it. Well, you can sit on a horse. I mean, and it just goes around and around and around and around and around and around. 
there's there's really nothing no description that you can offer it that doesn't apply to something else but yet you know um what it is you know what a chair is you have this visual in your brain of what a chair is and that's where plato would you know would, would call something more of it like it's it's true form uh it exists in this true form and honestly this is what when a lot of people think of in religious terms of like uh heaven uh mostly the thing you know they, they try to express like things are just so much more real in that place they're really going back to the same sort of idea that Plato was talking about is the sort of, you know, true forms, true forms of things. Um, it's true chairness or whatever it is. Uh, but the thing, the reason to bring that up is, and the allegory of the cave, is something I like to remind people because uh, humility goes a long way when it comes to trying to inform people of things is this idea that you could be completely wrong like there's this idea that you don't necessarily like a lot of people claim to know truth like anyone who claims to have a grasp on truth i'm immediately suspicious of because and this is what i always tell my students if you can't tell me what a chair is then how in the hell are you going to tell me what truth is and that's a that's a tough place to be. Um, and honestly, this is the value. This is where we start getting into the the, the value of of uh, what you'd call a liberal arts education, a classical education, which you get at universities. And this is why it's important to study things like philosophy uh, and history to kind of get get your head around these sort of larger ideas, uh, because that makes you a better thinker. Uh, that makes you a better um, purveyor of truth, of knowledge. Um, and this is important because, uh, at least for today, you guys are going to be giving presentations. Uh, or hearing about, not just, pre not uh, we did persuasive presentations. These are going to be informative presentations. Not necessarily trying to convince me of something to come over to your idea, but what you are trying to do is relate knowledge, information, trying to lay down the facts so other people can make decisions. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and just so you know, it's going to be our last um chapter of the semester. So after we finish this one up. We're done, people, and put a fork in it or whatever you want in it. Just, you know, don't be gross. All right, I'm going to uh, transition us over uh, to that with my dear buddy Rob. There we are. Try to get this going. Hey, this is once again because I'm trying to stay within the you know the rules of copyright. My buddy Rob McCormick, some guy named Rob with Pavlov's Bride off of the Upseam So Down album. Catch you later. Or I'll just catch you in a few minutes. That's what I'll catch you.
back isn't that fancy okay i've been looking at different microphones one of the things i need something different here 
everything is up and, up and down and whatever. Trying to, I've got this mic. It depends on which, um, what do you call it? Um, what I'm listening to it on, I guess, yeah, that's it. My, I've got my car, my car's got this really kind of bassy sort of sound system in it. It's got the big old subwoofer and whatnot, so when I listen to myself on that, it seems I'm jacking around with this thing right now, trying to adjust it. Anyway, um, it's kind of weird because I can hear myself breathe, and I don't like that. But I've also got to stay close enough to it that you can hear it, because I have to just generally keep this thing turned up a lot more. Problem is the uh, microphone actually wants like 500 bucks, so I don't know. It's you know I love you guys and all, but you know maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. Just don't tell my wife. It's just yeah, just our little secret, you, me, and the rest of the digital world. Anyway, all right. So let's talk about persu persuasive presentations. Um, Crap, I keep saying persuasive presentations. It's not persuasive. It is informative presentations. And we're just, you know, informative presentations, they they are about promoting a general sense of understanding. Oh, we're clipping. See, I gotta get this right. It's this little line between getting the right volume where I can hear it in my headphones as opposed to what's going out there but I was just looking on the uh, as I'm recording it and clipping is when it, you, know, you can just tell the gains up too high and it just starts cutting off certain parts it has a very distinct sound so I apologize for that but I'm working on getting it all lined up all right back to informative presentations so again we're, we're wrapping up the political season until we probably start back up for the next one the day after tomorrow maybe we'll give ourselves a week off but i doubt it um you know and, and persuasive presentations you know really more about convincing you to come a, around to a certain sort of behavior or opinion informative presentation are really more about kind of like hard facts um, I'm trying to lay down a an argument so of um, why this thing is true and uh, these are these are going to uh, vary uh, somewhat between cultures and kind of how we go about do this but we've all done it at some point in time you're just like you know you're just you're given a report. This is the state of things. This is the reality of the thing it is that we're talking about. You know, and that can roll over into persuasive stuff too, but, you know, you can't really give a persuasive statement or speech until you can you know, also establish what facts are. And so we're all about the facts, man. All about the facts. You know, think about where you, like when you were a kid in school, maybe you had to give a book report or something. You had to some sort of oral presentation where you read something and then you had to stand up in class and present about it. And, uh, you know, sometimes you do this at work. You know, somebody, your boss may ask you to research something and then give a report back to everyone else. 
you know, and so that's what we're doing. I'm not necessarily trying to make you think a certain way. I am trying to convince you that the data that I am reporting is accurate and true and then give you all the tools that you need to make a good decision, a well-informed decision. And so the informative presentations are to help people have, make informed decisions. That's what I mean. So now, how do you go about this? Because you know, we, we all want to think that it's it doesn't really matter who's sitting there in the audience. If we're just laying out the facts, then we're laying out the facts. And that's just the way it goes. And that's bad communication, generally. Um, because you're going back to the golden rule of communication is, you know, know that audience. So who's sitting in the chair? You know, who's going to be listening to that? How many people are going to be there? It's going to be a large group. Is it going to be a small group? Um, are they there because they want to be there? Are they there because they have to be there? Do they Are they annoyed? Like, what's their attitude going into this thing? Um, you know, also, what do they know about the thing that you're presenting? Is this a group of people that already has, you know, a pretty solid understanding of the thing? Or is this a group of people who don't really know much about the topic? And that's your job is to, you know, bring them up to speed? Um... Do you know them? Are these peers? Are these people you work with? Are these strangers? Are you the expert coming in, you know, laying out this information? Or, you know, somebody on the inside? Do you know if there's going to be any negative biases toward this? Like, you know, are people going to most likely want to buy into this? Or are you going to have, you know, something that may be just a little less, you know, friendly? Because you've got four basic kinds of audiences when it comes to just sort of that behavior it's like you have a friendly audience and honestly this is what you you generally would consider like you know preaching to the choir these are people who already pretty well believe you you know there's they're going to go along with it they're not really there you know they're, they're they're primarily looking for confirmation typically um you can have a neutral audience um neutral audiences you know they're open this is kind of what you, i guess what you'd really sort of want they're kind of come in without any pre-existing expectations and you know they're just willing to listen and make decisions based on that um in theory like if you were you know in a, a trial lawyer this is sort of like what you can we hopefully your your jury would be you know they're neutral they want to hear the facts and make a decision you can have an uninterested audience and i can tell you as someone who has taught eight o'clock classes before an uninterested audience is pretty much any college student at eight o'clock in the morning. They do not want to be there. Uh, they just want the thing to be over. And as a result, they tend not to listen very well. And then you can also um, get into a hostile audience. And that's where, again, we're dealing with biases. They don't want to hear anything you have to say because they've already made up their mind and it doesn't agree with your conclusions. And so in those scenarios, they're primarily listening to argue. Uh, they're not listening to change their behavior. They are listening to um, present a counter-argument, which is pretty much every social media, you know, argument out there. So how do we get this thing started? 
one of the things that I, I tell people is if you want to bring people over to a certain, like if you're going to give a presentation, the thing that you want to do is help people. Um, I'm sorry. The thing you want to do is recognize where you want them to land, where you want your audience to land. Like what is it that you want them to walk away with when this thing's over? Like this is like figure out what your destination is. And then you sort of work backwards to get there. And there's lots of methods for doing that. And there's lots of different styles and oration and how people do uh, do these kind of things. You know, like uh, the book starts out with like, you know, one of the things that you want to do is start with your exact purpose statements. These are the things I attempt to, approve, you know, prove and demonstrate. Um, depending on your audience, maybe that works, maybe that doesn't work. You know, again, if you have a hostile audience and you're like, and you're starting out with, these are all the ways that you're wrong. Probably not going to be your best strategy, right? So you really kind of need to think about it, how you want to approach these different things. And typically, um, what I found is a narrative approach works really well because um, it's kind of hard to argue it's hard to argue with stories because they're simply stories. Stories can have a point, um, but they're stories. But, you know, the other thing is, um, if you're setting this thing up, one of the other things that you want to do is you, you want to make sure that you've got enough supporting materials. There. Like you want to, like, these are the research and the facts and the statistics. And these are things that are, you know, what makes them good is that they're, provable like I can demonstrate you know one plus one equals two like there's there's a there's a way to do that or if you make some sort of statement that you know you there's a way to follow it up um, we're stuck in this world right now where you know I can say you know one plus one is three and people are like no it's not and they're like yes it is and it's just you know this the powers that can in the the, the 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 whatever secret squirrel people who really control everything are manipulating your mind and aliens um and that's just silly that's just silly this is you know this when you you live in the, ex the existing world of um conspiracy theories this is where it makes this stuff weird uh, it makes it difficult because if, you know, you can't present, you know, present actual data without people rejecting it, then, you know, and they reject it without much, um, much of a counter argument. They just reject it because they don't like it. Uh, and this is where confirmation bias and whatnot comes in. I'm not, uh, that's the frustration of a lot of folks these days. And that will probably be your frustration at some point, um, just to be perfectly honest. But, you know, we do what we do. You know, there's lots of places to go out there, um, find information. Uh, one of the places, if you're going to do online searches, it never works for, uh, like, research papers. But, you know, we talk about Wikipedia. Wikipedia is, is typically a fairly decent place to start because Wikipedia actually cites their sources now. So what you can do is sort of like, oh, okay, read this. 
and that will give you all the sources will give you a good place to start looking for something that's a little more verifiable uh, it's not a Wikipedia you know it's not Wikipedia isn't the source itself it's the other stuff so you know there's also Google searches typically render a lot but just remember that just because it shows up on the first page of a Google search doesn't necessarily mean it's the most accurate uh, it just means it's the most popular result and some algorithm has decided that this is the most appropriate answer to your query or you know it may be the answer that just has enough search engine optimization uh, built into it that it pops up first so you know learn how to distinguish credible information from eh, not so credible you know there's lots of places out there and I'm not going to go into this if I, I would generally tell people to avoid social media like if you're getting your stuff off Twitter unless it's just a direct quote from somebody probably not a good thing um, I typically as a journalist I do a lot of personal interviews so I go and I find people who are I would qualify as an expert on a situation uh, and you know if you're in my journalism classes we talk about different kinds of sources like an institutional source would be you know someone who represents uh, a specific organization so like right now there people are working on you know covid vaccines so i would go and um, interview someone who is maybe a researcher uh, for one of those institutions to get you know more accurate account of what you know what is and what isn't as opposed to you know asking someone who may have a um, incentive to give me a certain kind of answer like I just want someone who's sort of non-biased and knows a lot about the thing uh, so there's that um, so there's lots of interviews the other thing is you know, don't plagiarize stuff this is so easy to do Go, going back to Wikipedia I used to make my students blog every week and there's always the students, they just don't want to keep up, they just don't do it, and you know, I'm like, hey, you need to get this stuff done, and then I get it in, and no joke, one time, every single blog post for an entire semester, this character had uh, just copy and pasted Wikipedia articles for every single one, and acting like I wouldn't notice. I noticed. So, um, plagiarism, bad, don't do it. Uh, as far as overall structure, I can beginning, middle, end. You know, introduction, a body, and conclusion is what the, the book says. You know, the introduction, this is what I'm going to tell you. The body, here's all the supporting information. Conclusion, this is what I, I came out of that with. Uh, again, we can do this in all kinds of patterns and looking at you can look at them from in your book we've got topical patterns you've got spatial patterns geographical uh, chronological causal patterns you know causal patterns are kind of interesting because um, they're used when you have main points that have a cause and effect relationship and this you know and in, in this type of organization um, you only have two main points one is the cause and one is the effect like you if we do this then this will happen if you don't do this this will happen in this kind of way and so that gets a little bit more into the persuasive sort of way but maybe not so much um, we can get into thesis statements we can get into final summaries you're just simply building your argument like you start out this is the question is and that's typically what I would do it's not necessarily 
these are the answers that I'm going to give you and I'm going to show you how I got to these answers. What I typically would do is start out with more of a question. And again, that goes back to sort of the narrative response of like, you know, what is this? You know, I was presented with this question and, I, and walking into it, I didn't know the answer. And so you start, and, and that's sort of a, a point of humility. And you're also, again, if you're talking to someone who may be a hostile audience um, or a hostile audience member, you're not coming out with any kind of declarative statements going, this is how it is. And you're like, this is the question that was in my mind. And so your the body of your presentation then goes to the places you went and the things that you found that helped you have a greater understanding of the question. And ultimately lead you to a conclusion. You know, when you come out with a, when you start with a conclusion and then you just find more supporting information to support your conclusion, that's not really research. You see that a lot. Um, you know, and if you're given a presentation, you maybe tempted to start that way uh, just simply because hey you know I've already done the research and this is what I've decided I want to show you how I came up to that conclusion which would be fine if you had a you know kind of a uh, a friendly audience someone who's already kind of going to go along with you on this um, but not necessarily the best strategy for some people who may not want to follow you on this way um, and then ultimately you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to add some polish. You're going to have to add some transition. You're going to have to think about the way that you're going to, you know, structure the whole thing. Now, the next question is how do you actually deliver this piece of information? Like, um, you've got extemporaneous speeches, which is what you would typically think of when you think of a speech. And like you would think of like a preacher standing at a pulpit giving a sermon, or at least the old school way of, you know, there's a piece of paper, they've got it written down, it's in front of them, they're mostly, and this is kind of when I first learned speech, this is sort of what everybody did. There was, you had a document in front of you, mostly you had it memorized, but you're basically reading or reciting the document from um, from memory, and then you would just sort of glance at the document to sort of bring yourself in. And that that's a really good way to make sure you hit all your points and you don't miss anything. Simply because um, if you've taken the time to write it down, you're gonna you're gonna take the time to make sure you've covered all your bases. Now, the, another way is just uh, you know you can use visual aids. And these are like, if you think about notes, someone just has note cards. Like I, I like using PowerPoint uh, when I'm giving public uh, talks. Not, not so much. I basically use them as note cards for myself, and also, you know, put um, put key points up on the on the screen that you know people can write down and see. And so you you cover those things. It's not that I just put them up there just so I can read them off the screen. That's not really public speaking. That's just reading stuff off the screen. Uh, and that's not really what you want to do. Um, but the visual aids help, you know, they just become a supporting uh, thing. Speaking from memory, uh, speaking from memory is um, just sort of 
Um, with just winging it. It's kind of just sort of winging it. You know, you're just sort of, this is the kind of stuff that I want to. Actually, well, let me take that back. That really gets more into just prompt, impromptu. The speaking from memory is just, you just committed it to memory. And, and, and now I just realized, I just, you know, I said speaking from a manuscript is really going back more to what I said at the very beginning about extra, extemporaneous extra that's a really extemporaneous uh speaking extemporaneous is really more you're using note cards if you're reading from a manuscript then you're legitimately reading from a manuscript so see that just throws us over into impromptu speaking which is sometimes when you're talking and you don't really have a plan you just get up there and you see that i see that a lot with students they don't really have a plan they just get up there and wing it and you don't really want to wing it. Just don't want to wing it. Well, there's too many different ways to to mess up. You can say the wrong things. You can get off track. You can forget to cover important things. You can get things out of order. There's all kinds of stuff. Sometimes you have to wing it just because you didn't know that you were going to be doing this. You may just be in a meeting and suddenly your boss looks at you and go, Hey, explain this. And you're like, Oh, boy. And then you hope that you have all your, you know, you have everything covered. Now, this one's, I don't know, it doesn't seem, it seems kind of silly, but it's its not silly. It's like, how do we, when we actually deliver the speech or the presentation, um, like how do we like physically do the thing? Um It depends on how much you've done it and how natural this can be for you. I have literally been talking to groups and people for well over 20 years. And so it, for me, it sometimes gets into the point of I don't really remember what I'm doing. I just do it. Because um, it's just sort of this mode you go into after you've done it enough. But I would say one of the first things to do is just be confident just relax a little bit like your brain is going to work better if you relax your mouth is going to work better if you relax people are going to um, follow what you're saying a little bit better if you relax they're going to be more relaxed if you're more relaxed if you're getting up there and you're looking super awkward and acting super awkward that awkwardness is going to transmit itself across the room to your audience and they're going to be paying attention to the awkwardness that is you and that's going to be you're just creating noise uh, you're creating psychological noise for them to hear what you're saying and again for them to want to buy into what you're saying is if you don't look confident about the thing that you're saying why should they be confident about the thing that you're saying also, you know, look directly at your listeners and smile occasionally. I'm, I'm reading from the book here. Now, this is, I actually prefer speaking to really big groups over really small groups because it's easier to do this. When you're in a small room with just a handful of people, like, like when you make eye contact with somebody, you're making eye contact with somebody 10 feet away. When you're in a big crowd, you know, and looking over a bigger, you're just sort of looking out over the audience. You know, you can kind of glance and make eye contact with people every now and then. 
but it does there's that distance seems to make it a little easier at least for me um also the book says dress in a professional manner i would i would amend that to say dress in a manner that's appropriate to the audience that you're addressing um a three-piece suit may work great if you're addressing a bunch of bankers but I don't necessarily know that that's what you want to wear to address a bunch of, you know, high school students or, you know, or wherever it happens to be. Just kind of know who you're talking to and sort of what the appropriate dress is for that group. Also, you know, pay attention to your body language. Um, you want to be relaxed, but you also want to, you know, show confidence. You want to be able to do a lot of different different things uh, with your you know your body because all of these things are going to be demonstrating sort of who you are and uh, why people should listen to you. Also, your volume. You don't want to just be you don't want to speak in a monotone uh, fashion. Nobody just wants to sit here and listen to this, and nobody really does it because you're not actually doing anything, and your cadence is weird. So, because we have all these things, we've got you've got volume, you've got pitch where you go up and down, you've got emphasis where you focus on specific words, and you know, but you also don't, and you and your cadence of like the, the rhythm at which you speak. These things all matter. Um, you know, there's also like up talking. Try not to up talk. And if you don't know what up talking is, it's like, oh my God, this is like, I'm going to do this. And then we, and then we did up and then we go up and you can hear it. Um, admittedly, you hear it mostly from girls these days. But they go up when they're talking and you hear it. Just listen for it. Um, it's there. Um, it's sort of a weird thing once you actually sort of pay attention to it. And. Ultimately, you know, practice, 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 practice. Because the more you practice, the more you're going to know the content, the more comfortable you're going to be. And it's all going to be better in the end. And then, you know, you ultimately succeed in doing the thing that you attempted to do. And that is... Get people to believe you. Weird, huh? All right. We're going to wrap it up. We have almost reached... We have come to the end. This is the end. So I'll be posting this and your final assignment. It's been fun. Hopefully we'll catch you uh, somewhere else down the road. Have a great day, everybody. Hey, wait, let me back up. If you're in my class, this is the final. If you're just sort of hanging out with me, well, there's more to come. All right, catch you later.
touch of sadness in everything he does and doesn't know what he is now from what he was the walls climb themselves I swear I'm just watching them I didn't touch anything that wasn't touched enslave this excess and watch the world dissolve dreams off of sleep yeah with no rest involved she quotes the poets off the bathroom stall she wears her hair down but he never Everything you want will have to go. 
the pain wasn't that the deal we made she bought my soul for the price of lemonade I made the score but I never made the grade and everything I feel is contrary to what I say and everything you say it just won't make it right and blue seems gray here but all I see is why body is shaking and her hands are tied Still is right here and now I've seen so down to